we need to open this to questions. Some of you already sneaked in and, and uh, stole the time in between. So here it is. Um, the, the weird thing about this passage is it sounds so dumb. It's like their big concern is that these guys are not circumcised. That's a big deal. That, that the Jewish people knew they were set aside for God because all Jewish men are circumcised. But these guys are Greeks and they're not circumcised and they still think. So the, it all goes back to, to this. Is if God told us to do this and they're not doing it, has he changed the rules? Or um, even... So if he, if he has changed the rules, why did he change them? What is the point of changing them? And then, so that's why right back to the start of this, we had those things. See? And I'll show you a little bit. I'll just come a little closer now. Their concern is that the law of God is not being kept properly because of no circumcision. See? So their idea is the mark that of Israel must be the mark of all men. If you're going to belong to God, you have to have that. So they're concerned. But here's this. Some of God's signs are not transferable. Some of the things he does, and not just for anybody, it's for a group. Look, Israel is a tiny little... You look at it in a map, you put a thumbtack in Israel, it almost blots the country out compared to all the Egypt and, you know, all these places around it. And yet it is still in the headlines this week after thousands and thousands of years. Now, why on the fat is that? Because somebody visited them, the little town of Bethlehem. I've been to Bethlehem. It's still a hole after all these years. 2,000 years, not so incredible cosmopolitan glory. Why then do we remember Bethlehem? Because we sing about the little town of Bethlehem and about who came there. See? When Jesus shows up, changes everything. So, now, quickly on this. Now, you need to see how important this thing is and why we're... All of the key leaders of the church are at this council. So in this one chapter, it is the most... Um, together connection of all of the core leaders in the church. There's nothing before it or after it as, as significant as that. So look at them. Peter's there, James, Barnabas, Paul, the apostles, the elders, whole Jerusalem council, they're all there. So it's, it becomes important to them. Now, here's the big questions. And these are the ones that are still being asked today. Who is in charge here? By what authority are you doing these things? That is always the question. Who's running this thing? Who said that you could do, see that there? By what authority are you doing this? If you have a couple of Mormon boys that come up to your house, the first question they'll ask you is, what church do you belong to? If you say something that isn't in the Bible, they'll say, where is that in the Bible? If you say, I'm Baptist or I'm Assembly of God or I'm you know, Catholic, they'll say, where is that? So I never say that. They say, what church do you belong to? I tell them, I belong to Church of Jesus Christ. I'm a Latter-day Saint. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'd say, well, Jesus has a church, and we call the Church of Jesus Christ, and these are the Latter-days, and I'm a saint. So. And then they go, are you a Mormon? I go, oh, no, what's that? Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> 
But the next question, this is two core questions. By what authority do you do what you do? See, and they can go back to saying, you know, man had these visitations and so, and have an incredible um, chronology of all of the connections there. But see, this is what happened with me. It gives me a slight unfair advantage. Twice the Lord put his hands on my head like this. And when I died, I was looking for him. I told some of you this. In this big, huge, white room, not shining, no angels, no singing, oh, angels singing and stuff. I thought the wall's going to open. And you go through the tunnel and then you come to heaven and stuff. Nothing, nothing. No, no wall opening, just a big, huge white room. No shadows in it. No windows, no doors, no, no carpets on the floor, nothing. Just not even an exit sign. Everybody got, look at that red exit, exit, exit. See, none of those. So then I'm looking down the corridor to see if he's coming up. I'm looking for Jesus. I don't care about the angels. I'll talk to them later. I want to see the boss. And I'm looking for him down there, and there's nobody coming can't see anybody and there's no shadows there just nobody there so, so I've been looking nothing looking there and I thought I know what he's going to do he's going to sneak up behind me because it was in Teen Challenge in 12th Street I was working with them we're going to go out in one of the scariest nights it was just before the whole place blew up and riots it was like LA the Watts thing it's like that just that. we're the only Christians there it was totally scary so Herb Meppelink, Assembly of God man who was over that, um, that particular teen challenge, he said, we need to get close to God tonight because it's going to be pretty rough out there. So I'm praying like that. And the guy who was going to take me out was a doctor's son who had never been witnessing before. So he's got a red open-top sports car and he's going to drive me. Do you know how weird that is to drive into the middle of hell? with an open-top sports car, <laughs> and he'd never witnessed in his life before. Everybody else had gone in vans, you know, sort of thing. So he drives me to the end. All the, the whole teen challenge all spread out. And Faye and Linda, her friend, are there, and they're surrounded with prostitutes because that's who they're ministering to. So this guy looks, he goes, oh, I didn't know it was going to be this scary. <laughs> And he drops you up. Then he takes off. Arrgh! He's gone. <laughs> and I'm standing there. I've got my Bible. You know. <laughs> and so I, I can't give you all the details on this, but I just have to t tell you what happens. In that time, when I'm getting ready to go out, I'm, I'm praying. Everybody's praying. It's not thousands. It's probably about the same number as we have here. Now, praying. And all the girls are on one side. Uh, Faye's my fiance at this point, not married. Uh, all the girls are there, and then guys are on this side. And I have my he uh, head down, and then I have this hand come right on the back of my head like that. And I think it's this doctor's son. He's, you know, becoming Oral Roberts or something. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's kind of nice, you know, but I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> I don't need the hand on the head thing, you know. <laughs> but anyway, the hand comes off like that, and then I... I think he's sitting behind me, see, so, so I kind of turn around and say, well, thank you, but he's not there. He's like, where, where that, where that, what is that thing over there? Yeah, that, well, not the wall, but that, yeah, 
He's about that far away with his head down. It's like the butler in Mr. Deed. You know, how, how, did he, how did he get there that fast and not even make a sound? Because he's got his head down. I thought, well, it couldn't have been him. Because, you know, hand came up, turn around, so nobody is there. So I thought, maybe it's Herb. He's walking, this, you know, he's walking down the aisles praying for... But he's up front with his head down. So I keep looking behind. I thought, well, if he didn't put his hand on my head. Who did? And it comes again. Real as that. And I thought, shoot, that's not an ordinary person. <laughs> I just started to weep. And then the whole place seemed to fill like oil, just filled up like the sense of the presence of God. So I'm walking out. Because Herb says, I, I think the Lord's come. <laughs> <laughs> we're all walking out and, and Faye comes out from the girls because they're going in a, a van and being dropped off at different places and I've got the, the red spools here. so I'm walking and I look at Faye and I go she's quiet and I'm quiet and I go uh, something very strange happened to me just then she just looks at me and I said uh, I think the Lord touched me she just looked doesn't say anything I said I don't mean he touched me Ooh, he touched. No. <laughs> I mean he put his hand on my head and touched me. And she said, you too? It happened to both of us. Eh? So uh, I'm telling you all, I can't tell you the cool story about what happened. It's just that if that had not happened, I would have died. I had a whole gang surrounding me. The big four came, beat him up. Big four were the only police allowed in that area. And they took, grabbed both of us. I was just talking to them. And they grabbed us both. Guy lifted me, he was like, he was like Darth Vader or something. He just lifted with one hand, he just grabbed me like that, and I'm hanging in the air, my Bible, like this. What is your name? I forgot my name. I couldn't remember my name at all. I'm trying to point out that it's in here, it's my Bible, this. And anyway, what I didn't know, they threw this kid, black guy that I was talking to, into the car and took off. And there's this whole gang there, almost 40 guys. Vice president, and he's the president, you know. So I'm just, I'm not going anywhere. They're just everywhere. And uh, the vice president comes up and he goes, you know what they're going to do with him? I said, no, they said they're going to beat him up. I said, why? He said, because he's black and you're white. And then I look back and they dumped him down with me. He's walking robot walk like this he's really really angry and I'm going to die it's as simple as that big four are gone they haven't got their street sweepers and everything else you know when they put it in your face this is what in your face this is what it it's like that that's what he did he came right up that close and he said you see what your honky god does to me that's what he said so what and I tell people what would you do <laughs> in that situation you can't run anywhere you're going to die what, are you, what would you do? This is what I did. I remembered a hand. I remembered a hand that came on me twice. I preached. And they just stood there. There's a whole gang. They stood there for 20 minutes and just listened. And then they all went, oh, and they all went away. And I'm still alive. So it, isn't that cool? So when, when I died, I was looking for the Lord. And this is what I thought. I bet he's going to sneak up behind me. He's going to do the same thing again, you know, third time. <laughs> so, so I thought I'll 
turn really fast, and I'll get him as he's leaning, you know. <laughs> I'll do my really fast turn, and, I, and there's nobody there either. Nobody there. So I'm there, dead, looking, at, and I can't see him anywhere. And then the only way I can describe this to people is a blink. You know, a blink. A blink is a hundred of a second. It's really fast. It's like that. It was like a blink, but my eyes didn't blink. But suddenly, he, he was looking through my eyes. He's looking out of my eyes. He was looking out of my eyes, and I was looking through his eyes. And I realized he's not outside me. He's inside me. And he always has been from the time I got saved. And then in real time, in actual time, I'm in a hospital bed, about 30 drips and things, looking like Dr. Octavius in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Got all these pipes and <laughs> things around, and I can't move. Got, I'm held like that with all these drips, most of them going to my left arm like that. And it took two nurses to lift me up because I've got a rip from that third operation that is about two and a half inches wide and I'm sewn up like a football and just below my, my breastplate to below what used to be my belly button which I haven't got anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm like Adam, you know, <laughs> like that thing there. But in real time, and remember it took two nurses about five minutes to pick me up. I sat up in bed like that, and my breath rushed back into my body, and I was sitting up, and I was alive. And I don't know how long I was there looking around, but I thought I was only gone, instead of two weeks, I thought I was only gone for like a day, maybe, or something. And when the doctors who couldn't get me out of the coma came in, and they saw me sitting up, they went, ah, and they're all speaking Korean, and running around and it took, took about an hour for them to find William and, and Faye. See that thing? See? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. See that? So it's been nice to be alive again. And even though the brain thing and other things, it's been nice to discover some new things. So people ask me, they say, you died? I said, yeah. Not long enough to write a book about it, yeah. And then they said, well, did you see, did you hear angels? I said, no, didn't hear any angels at all. Then they say, did you go to heaven? And I said, no. And they said, well, we thought you wouldn't make it anyway. <laughs> and then they said, did you go to hell? And I said, no. And they said, well, that's a surprise. And then they have all these little cool things that they could say and then. Then they said, well, what did you see? You know? And I said, I saw the world the way God sees it. I saw the world the way God sees it. And I didn't know that during the time. It wasn't until much later that I realized why I could, like sometimes I could see through walls and I could see things happening that I'd never seen before. And see that? So some of the things I'm giving you now have come in the recovery times since 2007 and then since the brain thing, 2009. And it's 2014 now. So if the books aren't finished, I want to apologize because I just haven't had time dying. So 
but we are going to do some stuff. All right, here they are. Who's in charge here? By what authority? Then if, if you say that authority was the Lord, he you know, gave it to you, then is it really him? Or is it some fake thing? Last year they had a thing called strange fire to simply write off all charismatics Pentecostals as being in deception. That revival does not happen anymore. It used to happen in the Bible, but that's before we got completed Bible. Now we don't need revival. I don't know about them, but I need revival. I need healing. I need all these things that he did before. And I don't think Heidi Baker and her husband, Rolly, would think that that doesn't happen anymore since they've seen every single miracle that's in the New Testament happen again and again in the two worst countries in the world, Mozambique and Sudan, where my son was when they told him his father was dying and he flew from there. Wylan took up an offering for him and flew all the way from there. So anyway, that's it. Here's the three things. Who is in charge by what authority? Is it really God? Veracity. Is that true, you see? What are the rules then? If that's true, then what are the new rules? We th thought we had all the rules before. So now really fast. You ready? This is a quick one. Peter is there. This is called the case of the reluctant evangelist. They are really ticked at Peter because somehow he's been smuggling out all the cool stuff to these people and they're not even baptized yet, you know? It just ticks them off. So Peter has this weird vision. He's up there. It's going to be lunchtime soon. See? You might have one too. He's up there on top and he's praying, fasting. And I think he's going to break it when it's lunchtime. But he has this sheet come down out of heaven and in it is a lot of unkosher food. There is probably crabs and we were talking about crab legs last night and scary things. Why, why is God bringing down this thing? And the voice sounds very much like God. Rise, Peter, Jewish boy. Kosher food, Jewish boy. Doesn't say that, but that's implied. Kill and eat. And he's looking at all these things and he goes, Never! I'm Jewish. Well, of course. You are the designer of Jewish. So, yes. I, but I am Jewish and we have never eaten foods like that. What I have called, don't you call. See? What I've cleansed, don't you call common. And then it comes back. <laughs> Does it? Have you ever had your mother say to you the same thing three times? You know by the third time you really better do it. When I was working in the lab, <laughs> yes, don't hurt me. When I was working in my lab, my mother going, winky, she calls, she still went, winky, and you know, I heard it, and I knew I had about five minutes. And then, and then she'd go, winky, and then I knew I had like one minute, and I was still working on my and then when she hit ultrasonic, wanky, you know, and glass broke and stuff. If I didn't come in, I'd going to be a dead sucker. So, yeah, I would make it three times. If God brings something down to you three times, it is important and you better listen. 
But Peter doesn't know what he's doing. You know, he doesn't know what is this thing? Back down again, again. By the way, holy and unholy. The word clean or unclean is not sinful or holy, but safe or risky. See? If you eat, you know, nice little... Um, creepy crawly things. <laughs> yeah, if you eat, I don't actually, I don't eat those, especially when I'm on the road. But if you eat some nice little, uh, what's, the, what's the famous one that my wife hates? Everybody likes it. The big, they're shellfish. Lobsters are one. Keep going. Shrimp, no, keep going. Oysters. If you eat an oyster, all right, and it's probably got a name, Jack or something, if it's nicely kept, you know, you're not going to die or something. But if your oyster comes out next to a jewelry factory which dumping its trash into the sea, that little oyster will process that mercury through its own little body and it'll move from 0.001% as it is in regular seawater to 0.01 and your oyster becomes toxic. So this is what happened with Faye and I, we were on a thing in Annapolis, it's a na naval base thing and we had a big um, one of those like boat things, taxi boat thing and half of it was ours. So we did a meeting, it's 4th of July, we did a meeting for pagans on that thing. So we had Darlene Czech for singing and stuff and us to preach. Somebody took us to a lovely seafood place. There were lovely oysters there and everybody ate them except me. And everybody was sick as a dog except me. Because <laughs> the oysters had toxins. So it's not, if you eat it, it doesn't mean you go to hell, but you will feel like hell <laughs> if you eat it, because it could be toxic, see. Maybe not, maybe, maybe so. So what God is saying here, unclean is an agent of judgment. Some foods will not send you to hell, but make you feel it. God is not telling his reluctant servant to sin, but take a big risk and break centuries of habit. Take a risk. This is what he's telling to do. I'm telling you to do something that is generally not, it's too scary. It's, when Israel's walking through the wilderness for 40 years you, and you can't find a lot to eat, you eat anything that moves. And then if it doesn't move, you kick it and then you eat it. <laughs> See that? So that's their deal. And I had a, an ex-Satanist. He got saved and he said, did God tell Peter to sin when he did that? I said, no. He told him to take a big risk. So he goes down. There's a knock on the door. And who is there? Some representatives from the Romans, the ones that are nailing people over all, like ISIS is here, to say, hi, would you like to take a Bible study with us? It's like that. It's just, you know, and Peter is freaked. This real Roman, he goes right into the home of the Roman guy. This is a guy who just go, you die, you die, you die. We nail you, you and you, see that? So Peter's thinking, oh shoot, you know. But three times, what I have cleansed, don't you call common. 
and he preaches and he doesn't even get to give an invitation. The Holy Spirit baptizes them in the Spirit. They're not even properly saved yet. They haven't had a discipleship (laughs) course or anything. You know what I mean? What is God doing? (laughs) Look at this. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. See? God-given, not something Peter would get on his own. Good Jewish boy. The right of revelation. God reserves the right to interrupt his world. This is Peter's defense. Why did you do that? He goes, not my fault. I didn't even get finished. See? <laughs> God has his own agenda. He gave the same Holy Spirit that he gave to us. He gave it to them. It's not me. I didn't give any. I'm not in charge of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> See that? God, his gifts are not rewards. See that? His gifts are not rewards. There's something you don't deserve. Here's a cool thing. We found, I shared a little bit of this last time, we found 40, 40 gifts that are not religious at all, given by God. 40 jobs, if you like, 40 vocations. And you can get these when you, before you're born. And it'll be the thing that you get most excited about. And the great problem is, and why the church has lost so many high school kids, some of the super churches, Saddleback, huge ones, all of their high school kids, when they graduate from high school, almost all of them vanish, and they never see them again. And they go, what, what went wrong? Where's our kids? They've been born in the church. Not all of them were saved, but they'd been there. Why did they leave? They think, well, you know, Richard Dawkins is pretty heavy duty, and he's doing all this evolutionary stuff, and he's doing atheist stuff, and they're all getting it. They're not. I've talked to most of them. They're not. They still love God. Why aren't they there? Because we're not talking about the things that aren't religious. We're only talking about ones like, you know, we pastor, an evangelist, a missionary. Uh, there's all these different, they're Levitical calls. But when you look at Israel, only at the most 10% of Israel is Levitical. Priest, type, you know that. Everybody else, they're all called to serve God. So have you guys seen this? If you remember that thing, I haven't got it done, but I've got them here and you can see them. The point is, to God, he makes no difference at all. You do, fine. You, you know, whatever your background is, he doesn't care about it. Here's the huge shifts. Got to look at these. From the religious city, Jerusalem, if I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its coming. That was a big deal to be in Israel, Jerusalem. Yeah. Let me tell you something wild. You know the rockets that are being fired? Taliban, it doesn't matter who's firing them. Somebody's always firing rockets. Sometimes a hundred a day in Israel. You're there, so they, the iron dome, and knocking them out, trying to get the ones that are headed for the cities. Do you know a week ago what happened? A, they fired a rocket, and they thought this would, it went right through the iron dome, right through. They've, they fired their missile to stop it. It missed it. It just kept going. See? They fired the second one. It's heading straight for Tel Aviv. See that? The second one didn't get it, and then it's past the iron dome. And it comes straight in towards Tel Aviv. Here's what happened. <laughs> Explain this one. Wind comes out of nowhere. Huge wind. 
like this and blows the missile like this into the ocean. Do you know what that does if you're Taliban and you're seeing where it's going and you go, what in the fat was that? Then you realize, I think we picked the wrong God. That's, that's what happened. So this stuff, thing, the city preserved, the religious figurehead, Peter, bless his heart, Peter's the foot-shaped mouth disciple. He's always saying the wrong things. Bless his heart. But anyway, everybody knows who Peter is. Peter. Okay. Then the founding fathers, that's the apostles. Then the mission, the Jews to the Gentiles. Now, watch this. Each one, I'll give it to you very fast. Jerusalem is mentioned 59 times in the book of Acts alone. After Acts 15, this passage you're reading now, Almost all of those are used in persecution of the church. So the city, which is the city of God, now becomes the greatest threat to the new church. Jerusalem is known as city of God, focus and counter peace. But the original covenant with Abraham from that area, see that, was for the whole earth, not just one city. So he's not doing something new. He's going back to the original. Look at this one. Peter is the most mentioned disciple of Jesus. First disciple Jesus called in every key event. 59 times he's mentioned in the New Testament. Always there. After Acts 15, no mention at all of Peter in Acts. Only mentioned five more times since he gets to write his own book, First and Second Peter, Galatians, and in his own two letters. Untouched principality, clergy, laity. That is stupid. You need to get rid of that thing. Clergy, there was a specialty anointed and laity, what is, clergy, clergy. The laity don't do anything. You just lay around <laughs> and take care of the clergy with some money. <laughs> Religious founded and fathers. The apostles are chosen personally by Jesus, called after a whole night in prayer, saw Jesus personally for over three years, witnessed his death and his resurrection. Then, and after Acts 15, here, the elders join the apostles and then refocus them. The names of the elders are not even given. And yet now, it isn't the apostles, it's the elders. See these shifts? They're huge things. Now watch this. Here are the, this is summary. Okay? Three short rules for the new millennium. You're going to see people come to the Lord. You only need to stay in contact with these three things. You don't have to give them the entire background of everything and give them, you know. I made a mistake uh, about t nearly two months ago, I was in Hawaii and seeing Lauren again. Haven't, you know, I only get to see him once every year or two years or three or sometimes five. He's out doing stuff all over the world. Don't know who Lauren Cunningham is. Cunningham is. He is now, Guinness Book of World Records, the most traveled man in history. He's not only the, has been to every nation, every country in the world, whichever way you measure it, by Encyclopedia Britannica or United Nations, he has preached the gospel in every single one of those. Fulfilled the Great Commission in his own life. Now check this out. Guess which the last one was? You'd think, well, it's probably Iran or Baghdad or Pakistan. Mm -mm. Been to all of those. Preached the gospel in all of them. Antarctica. Antarctica, and three of the bases in Antarctica, the, you know, the penguins weren't listening to them. So. But anyway. Here are three short rules. Here's a simple way to say them. First priority, 
sanctify the ordinary and sexual purity. I'll show you. When you read this, it's, it's so weird. It talks about some, something about not offering meat to idols. What in the fat has that got to do with a major decision like this? Watch this. Here's the first rule. Everybody needs to know this one. No idolatry. Only one God, the real God. Now that Isis knows that, but they got the wrong God. Different. He is a supremely lovely one, and this holding the intrinsic value obligation, the thing that says to you, pick me over everything else, is how valuable and wonderful he is. People ask me, why do you serve God? Why do you serve Jesus? You know, and I say, well, who else would you want to put first? And they go, well, why don't people worship somebody else? And I, you know, say, well, who, for instance? You know, being modest and humble and unassuming. They go, well, why don't they worship me? Why doesn't anybody love me and worship me and put me first? And I said, that's easy. You're not smart enough and you're not good enough. Sit down, shut up. So he is all of these things. The number one great temptation facing this is pluralization. And I already have some of your illustrations about, you know, when we were talking about the 21CR thing, about Sunday, you, you know, if you go Sunday out to eat something, how many of you go sometimes out to eat Sunday? Three of you, others, times are hard. We never did find out what I had in common with Obama. <laughs> but, but times are hard. <laughs> and when you go, have, of course, you've all been to, to a place like Luby's or something like that, but there's also places like, I don't know, you only pay one price. And you can eat whatever you like. And as much of it's a buffet. They have other names sometimes. For a smorgasbord's the other name. That's kind of more. So here's what happens. People when come into a buffet or a smorgasbord, and it's a big one. It goes like for blocks. <laughs> there are some that are like that. It's for blocks. So they're looking like you only you do one of two things. Number one, you either go straight to what you always eat. Where's the chicken? And you go right over there and you get that, see? With all the, you just pick that and that. Or, this is the alternative, you try to take a bit of everything. So you go, oh, look at this. And, wow. And then your plate looks like this and it's just your salad. You have to have an alien living in your chest to eat this thing. It's just insane, see? <laughs> you you get get choices. See that? So here's the have you also been maybe to another I don't know, some other place lunchtime and they bring you the menu and you need a Google search. <laughs> so there's so much of it. You have have you decided yet? And it's been like thirty seconds since they gave you the <laughs> thing. I went to Russia for two weeks and, and I went to a Russian place, you know, and I'm looking through and I've actually got an English as well as you know that. 
So I'm looking at that, and I thought, this one looks good. And I said, because they had quite a big menu. And I said, could, could I have this one? Oh, no, we don't have that today. Okay, <laughs> how about this one? Oh, no, we don't have that. Five times! Oh, no, not that one. <laughs> it turned out they only had three things on that menu that day. You had to, like, find out which one they were. <laughs> now you know why communism will not take over the world. <laughs> but here's the big thing. As your options increase, your ability to decide decreases. The more options you're given, the harder it is to make a choice. I'll give you a real simple one. Straight and narrow way goes to life. Big broad way goes in the opposite direction. No middle class freeway for those who can't hack either. Everything, nothing. Light, darkness. That's the way it is in the Bible. What we try to do is adjust, adapt. So I go to this church as long as they, and as long as they, and as long as they don't. See that? Oh, they do. And then you go on to the next church. Oh, good, they do. Oh, what about this? See that? As your options increase, the ability to decide decreases. God shrinks it, makes it really simple. Love me or love something else. You get a choice. Oh, isn't that simple? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Hear, O Israel, you have no other gods before me. It's simple. See, you've got to understand, guys like ISIS are not, they're not odd. That is real Islam. You understand? That is real Islam. That's right there in the Quran. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They are the modern missionaries of Islam. That is why they're so scary. What about the chopping heads up here? That's there too. They're not odd. In America, we think these are strange people there some advanced form of crazy. It is crazy, but that's the real thing. The real thing is not whatever you want to do. The real thing is that. Is it real? It's real, but it's not that. Two. No boxes. Sanctify the ordinary. Hear the with me. God wants to be in everything you do. Everything. Not just some things, not just the religious things. He wants to be in everything you do. If he's going to move into your life, that's what you ask him to do. Come in and I will, he is using party term. Come in, I will come in and party with you, he's talking about. Check this out. He creates the world in six days. In Star Trek, it's six minutes, okay, but they're trying harder. However, 2,000 years ago, after he has this last little supper, he says, we won't eat it again till we do it in my kingdom. And I am going to prepare a place for you. If God created the universe in six days, what kind of party is it that takes God 2,000 years to get ready for? That is called really serious party. And you miss out on that, Jack. You missed the whole boat. The great second temptation is to relegate Christ to the merely religious and bar him from ordinary life. So you don't have to give kids 400 things. See, you've got to do this, that, and 400 other things. Remember this, the law of God is not motivation. It is description. 
They can easily look it up and see what he's telling them, what's true in that. But it's not supposed to make you make, make the right decisions. It has three weaknesses. It cannot, well, I've got it here. Can't sanctify you. Or it, can't, it can't pardon you. If you screw up, the law can't pardon you. It can only sentence you. Two, it cannot justify. It can't say that what you did wrong was actually okay. It can't do that because it's already told you what is real. And thirdly, it can't sanctify you. It has no power to make you good. Only Jesus can do that. And he's the one that describes what that law is. It's not an invention. He's telling you the truth of it. The crime of the future will be not to be a Christian, but to be a missionary. To say that everybody else should have what you have is the crime of the future. They don't care if you're going to be this. What are you? As long as you don't say everybody should have this, this is what everybody needs. As long as you don't say that what you're into may be wonderful, but it's not the real thing. And here's the last one. Why is this one? What, doesn't this fit into the first two, two, sexual purity? What is this thing about sexual purity? With all your strength, the great temptation is prostitution. I'm studying all the guys that are, that are spending all their time showing people how to hit on people to do that. I'm, they don't know what they're going to what's going to happen to them when they stand before God. And he gives them an account of what they thought was really a cool thing is actually opens the door to hell. You take a 12-year-old girl and show her how to give her sexual purity away, she has no idea what's going to look like in 10 years' time. God does. He knows. See? So what is this thing? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives there. He cannot take your body and give it away to something else or someone else. Every other sin, the scripture says, this, is without the body. But who commits fornication sins against his own body. So there's a violation. Do you know that actually the words that you use can alter your DNA? It won't make it a different DNA, but it'll shift it from doing good things to bad things. Words, just words. This sounds so weird. Russian discovery, last year and a half, when you, you could take a sample of your DNA, put it in a sealed tube, there's no way of anything getting to it, and then speak to it. And if you give a whole bunch of bad words, you know, blah, 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 and you use a whole bunch of, I kill you, I hate you, those kind of words there, your DNA in that tube begins to alter. This is not some preacher that had too much pizza and had a revelation of what this this is medically documented stuff do you know how weird that is to be Russian and to have a whole history of atheism and see that the words you say actually are altering your DNA and your DNA is not the bottom line there's something deeper and 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 the other thing is those damages already there. The very changing of words, forgive, love, kind, see that? Grateful. Alter the DNA and it begins, becomes like what it's supposed to be. <laughs> Does that sound weird? It's about as weird as graphene. You get to the bottom line and it just becomes a God thing again. 
me. Isn't this cool? I don't know. I, I, sometimes it's hard for me to go to sleep at night. I'm thinking, wow, there's even more cool stuff. But here's what it says. If you screw up this way, it's not like you can't be forgiven or anything, but you will do damage that nobody will ever forget. So I ask you this. Who are, the, who are the preachers you know that had the incredible ministries who got damaged in that area? It doesn't matter if they've got a new church and everything else. Everybody always remember that's the guy that screwed up. That's the woman that screwed up in that. They just do it. When I worked in Teen Challenge, I worked in five different Teen Challenge centers, the hardest ones to get over sin was the girls. Guys would go, yeah, hey man, like next day they're giving up their drugs and they're fine. But the girls, the long-term damage in their lives, it took sometimes months and months and months for them to get out of that thing because they are more precious and more, as remember, Jesus has a bride. Somebody screws with his bride, he's going to be really ticked, I'm telling you that. What would you do if you're a man and you love somebody deeply and they loved you, but that somebody attacked that and tried to, what would you do? If you weren't mad and really ticked, something wrong with you. It would be like getting a dog like a collie dog and tying a rope around his neck and tying the other end to your hot sports car and dragging down the road till his pelt peeled off. If you laughed at that, there's something wrong with you. Amen? So this is an area where kids have no wisdom at all. They just think, hey, you know, we've, we can handle it. You need to see a few of those old movies where you... Have you noticed this? Jason always kills the bad guy. <laughs> Isn't that a weird thing? Jason is like... The, the ones who are screwing around always die first with Jason. You know, he's, he's just, you don't know who Jason is, never mind. It's okay. You shall... One day you will know... But see this odd phrase? Wound and a dishonor can never be wiped away. Here's the final rule. Don't embarrass me. Give no offense to anyone. And that was your question, too. What do you do in these kind of situations? What if people have an independent spirit make you into an independently spirited person. And that Lauren Cunningham's statement, minister in the opposite spirit. Never, never take that thing that was attacking you and attack it back. Because all you do is you build up that, that, that damning thing. Remember your words. Your words will actually alter. Amen. So always minister in the opposite spirit. Why are these people who are the Silk Road Christians, there's 30,000 of them, each one of them has what they call serious time in the seminary of the spirit. What is that? Long terms in jail. Fat beaten out of them and starved and all kinds of things. Why is it that they are so powerful in their stuff? Because they don't treat the ones who are trying to kill them as, as horrible they treat him like somebody that needs Jesus. See that? They're not like, here's what I'd do. If I'm in jail and I've been, I've been locked in there and people have beaten me, see that? 
just beat me, hoping that I'll cry out and go, please stop it or something. You know? And then instead, I'm just singing hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> I know what the jailer's singing. Yeah, that's stupid people. The more you beat them, the more they smile. And they just, what are these mad people? You say, look, it's the end of the world. They go, hallelujah. What is wrong with these people? There's something wrong with their brain. So you're in there and you're all chained up. There's a bunch of other people there too. You're not the only ones in the prison. And an earthquake comes. And all the walls fall down. What would you do? Not what I'd do. From pagan background. I'd say to the jailer, as I run out into the streets, free, free, free indeed. I go, my dad bigger than your dad. You beat me up. Guess what's going to happen to you? Because when a Roman jailer lost a prisoner first of all they killed his family in front of him sometimes slowly so nobody would ever break this rule and then they burned out his eyes before they killed him the last thing you saw was the death of your family you understand now when the things fall down i would say we think this it's the lord let's split they said it's the lord let's stay and save the jailer and that's why he said, and your household. Didn't just save the jailer's soul, he saved his life and his family. Why? Because they loved him. Why? And here's the other weird thing. All the other guys who are pagans, they don't even leave. They go, yeah, we'll stay too. <laughs> just like that. What is that? See? This is, I want you to write down a word, and with us we'll, we'll quit. This is a word that is a simple, simple word, and yet it is one of the most important and significant words in all the Bible. Are you ready? J-O-Y. Write that down. J-O-Y. We got people named. Girls called Joy. Amen. Jesus first, others next, yourself last. It's not that you out of the picture. It's just a priority. Jesus first, others next, sales last. Now, those of you who have that study Bible, uh, is that one? Wow, that's cool. <laughs> the radiation that was coming from that was... That <laughs> look at all <laughs> Incredible. Um, unusual Bible. Right? Pick it. Just pick one of the sheets of paper. Just on your finger. Just, just pick it. Just a sheet of paper. Just feel it. Do you know who printed that Bible? Communist China. The number two largest printing press in the world printed that Bible. Do you know who invented the paper? Because that's not real paper. That's silk. And that's their invention. And they put it into this. See, what is that? Super thin. Super strong. Almost, I don't try, <laughs> almost picked the entire Bible up with a page. It's 2,000 pages. That's real gold on the end. And that's real leather on the outside of that thing. Printed in communist China. Yeah. So, a bunch of cool stuff in there. Anyway, said all that to say those things. When I, right in the front of that, this, and you mentioned them, there's a whole bunch of contributors over those 2,000 years. Some of them are alive now. We've lost 10 of them in the last 10 years. Um, sometime a little bit before. Derek Prince, gone. 
Harry Kong, gone. Steve Hill is gone. David Wilkerson, gone. Art Katz, gone. Campbell McAlpine, gone. See that? A whole bunch of people died in these last 10 years. But when I was trying to go with an incredible list of people who had seen awakenings or been in them or, or wrote about them or something, I was trying to find the best simple concentrate. How could, how could I find out just, you can't have everybody because then you'd have to drive the Bible to church and change gears as you come through the, the doors. But I, I thought, how, how can I, there's got to be a, a, sieve, a sieve of some sort, like a, like a filter that it's just give me the core things. Not just their lives, but maybe other people who are affected by that kind of life. So there's about 104, 114 things in there. And that, those pages is worth the whole Bible. It's, it's taken hundreds of hours to boil down those things to that. But here is my, now this isn't in, the, in that. You won't see it in there. This is secret, okay? So I think you've got, with the Bible, you can hear this. Here's what I've got. I asked God, what have, how can I filter these? This is what he gave me. Number one. Whatever their background, whatever they get saved from, they might have had 15 generations of pastors or preachers or missionaries, or they may be like Saul, terrorist, yeah? a, a Christ killer, that kind of person. Whatever their background is, when they meet Jesus, when they get saved, whatever their religious background or irreligious background, they will love God, they will love Jesus, till the day they die and never give up trusting him. It's called loving him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength and dying like that. All of these men are like that. All of these women are like that. Two, they will love other people the way they were loved by God. They will love others the way that God loved them. Again, whatever, those, whatever the mess their lives are, that's the secret of those Silk Road Christians. They were loved. So why are they so joyful? Because joy doesn't come from your culture. It doesn't come from whether you've picked the right president, whatever his name is, and you've also picked you know, the right economy. It's got nothing to do with the economy. Joy is something from another world. You can't duplicate it. There's no joy duplicate. There's a new movie out now. And it's a, a bunch of guys want to raise some money, so they make a fake church. And that's out now. It's, well, it may not have come out yet. I'm a bit early on some of these things. So everybody would love to watch this because it shows up the uh, chicanery, if you like, of a lot of churches. With the front, it's really just a good way to raise money, people. I'm hoping that the end will turn out that they show that what they're doing in the movie is exactly what they're trying to get rid of by the movie. <laughs> Making a lot of money by, see that thing? I'm in Australia. We have a meeting in a town outside of Melbourne and so many kids showed up. They jammed out the hall we got and we had to move to the dog track. Thousands of kids came to it, all right? That is so weird for thousands of kids to come to an outside deal. So ABC, Australian Broadcasting Company, comes to interview somebody about this weird thing. So I get picked. Guy's standing there, and there's a 
There's a cameraman. See that? And I'm watching his fingers. Because if you want to make somebody look weird, you can do it easily visually. You can either put a smaller, uh, smaller chair in than all the other people. You've got one Christian and 40 atheists. And all the atheists have got cool chairs. This Christian one looks weird. <laughs> but here's the one that is really, really smart. They come in close. They do a traveling close-up to your face. And there is a rule, you know, like this. Remember I told you that really this one is scary? It's called a... They actually come so your face will fill the entire thing. And whatever you say, whether it's right or not, you know, really cool at all, people watching will think, what in the world is wrong with that person? It's, it's a visual thing. So I'm watching. We've got a guy interviewing me. He's standing there with a thing. And I've got a guy behind him with a camera shooting over his... And I'm watching his finger. If he hits that zoom button, getting closer and closer, I'm going to do a Michael Jackson. I'm just going to be walking backwards as he's zooming in. <laughs> so I keep the, the distance about the same in both. So here's the three questions. It's only about a minute. You know, you don't have like 40-minute interviews and stuff, except the last bit. That's always a bit longer. So the guy goes, isn't it unusual to have so many uh, kids in a religious thing? I said, it is here because we're very far away from God. In some places, there are more people getting saved than are being born. And they have a lot of births in those countries. He said, well, how much money is this making? I said, well, three questions. How much money is it making? I said, they may lose their shirts and have to sell one or two of their houses in order to pay for this, they never expected it to be this big and have to buy the dog. But they'll, they'll think it's worth it because of these kids that have responded. Then he said, what do you think about it? And he named a certain famous American televangelist who had just been caught with a hooker. What, now, what is this? This is Australia. This is like 14,000 miles away. What do you think of? I'm watching this dude like that. I said, it's about time you said in the media sexual immorality was wrong. You never said it before. Cut, cut, cut. <laughs> it was the end of it. See that? Why this one? Why this one? I don't know. God said. That's why. Okay? All right. That's it. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, have we <laughs> questions. Do we have any questions? Uh, you better have some questions, I suppose. Oh, to the Jews, to the Gentiles, to the church. Oh, I've got to finish this. The greatest risk God ever took was not at creation, when you make a world outside of yourself, not commission. He left behind heaven to come. You could do a song, What If God Were One of Us? It's just... <laughs> just a slob like one <laughs> that'd be a good song <laughs> not when he himself becomes man and not even in crucifixion when he dies his greatest risk is the church when he lets us represent him that is the greatest risk God's ever taken so for us the epistemology this is weird thing God hangs the whole future in the church for up to this millennium on one decision. 
And this is the way they work it out. Well, seemed good. What do you guys think? <laughs> Check this out. Seemed good. Seemed good. That's shocking enough. What, what happens to the mountain that burned with fire and the, and the cow that touched it died? What is this? It seemed good. It gets worse. To us, that's all of the top dudes there. Seems good. These are the things we're going to stick with. See? And to the Holy Ghost. Seem good to God. Too. Okay, let's go with it. What is that? That's the real God. See that? Seem good gave us the gospel of Luke. It seemed good for the Father to reveal to us. It seemed good for Jesus to pick his disciples. It seemed good. We've got to watch. Moses is given a list. No, I didn't need one. See, to know him, to love him, to love people like he loved us, isn't this a simple thing? Not easy, but simple. You can love anybody, even people who hate you, and love them the way God loved you, Sometimes you hated God. Sometimes you said awful things about him. Sometimes you didn't pay. You care a rip about him. Yes, all at once. And I mean, I mean, really small and really large, <laughs> and it's mine. Yeah. We will know yeah. all of it. Yeah, yeah. I go away to go. You know, it. You know, the cool thing, it's not going to stop for us, though, is it? It's not going to stop for us. We're, we're, four billion years from now, we'll still be learning about God. The only way to get there, though, of course, is, and that's where the heart comes in, we must speak to the heart of people, which means that when they meet with us, there's something that bothers them, and it is why we are so flaming happy when we don't deserve it. And they look and they go, why are you so happy? You shouldn't be happy. It's a, don't you see what's happening in the world? It's a screwed up world. Everything's going wrong in this world. Why are you so happy? And the reason is because of joy. We met him. And that, that changes everything. So the mind, the mind, it's not that the mind doesn't matter, but the mind is not where, what we're aiming at. We are aiming at the heart. That's what the Holy Spirit aimed at. Here is the best illustration I know of the power of the Holy Spirit. It goes like this. The wind blows where it lifts. It goes wherever it wants to go. And you know it's real because you can see its effects. But you can't see it. The wind blows where it lifts and you hear the sound of it. But you can't tell where it came from or where it is going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. 
which means the closer you get to God, the less predictable your life becomes to others. It will not be the same. That is why revivals change every single time. And that is also why the greatest hindrances to revival came from the backslidden fruit of the revival before. They said, look, I was in the revival at such and such a time, such a place, and it wasn't like this one. Of course it's not supposed to. If it was the same, there'd be something wrong with it. It's not a turn, you know, like, here's a revival template. Let's type it out, and here it comes. You know, I always used to think with God that if I got to learn all the rules, you know, got them all together, that he, you know, it'd be easy after a while, you know, just follow him. You know, it's like, it's like he, gets, he gets you like this and he goes, I want you to stretch a little bit. You go, stretch, stretch, what? And he goes like this. Ah, ah, I didn't know you were going to stretch. Ah, ah, and then he looks like that, see? Yeah, oh. and then he gives you like two weeks to enjoy it. And then he goes, and next. You go, what do you mean next? What is the next thing? And then he goes, da, da, ah, 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 like that. See that? So wouldn't you think that after like 50 years or so, that it'd just be, hey, this is easy. This is what it is to God. 60 years. Da, 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 da. <laughs> he can play all kinds of cool things now. See? Because you stretch. You stretch. Yes, they are. But they, they kill you. <laughs> you, you put it as an encouragement. A worthy said, analysis. If you, don't, if you don't blow, don't go. <laughs> Which is an encouragement to be in the spirit to yeah. speak to that part. That's beautiful. If yeah. you don't blow, don't go. That's that is so cool. I, I forgot that was in there. I have to read that again. <laughs> Anybody else got any cool? I know you get tons of things. I'm sorry, but we... But I know Colonel Sanders is calling. Maybe even a buffet. <laughs> yes. Accidentally, but probably from him. Um, I do a lot of research on a lot of different things. Chemistry is my background. So anything, uh, anything that has stuff in it, which is everything, I'm interested in. And if you had a twin brother or a twin sister, you'd be absolutely different from them. The hair on your head is different. Your DNA is different. Your eye patterns on the back of your retina are different. If you pulled hair from your twin brother or sister, they're different from you, which means nobody on the planet is identical to anybody else. If they are, they're a clone and they're very scary. <laughs> You know how I can tell a good church? I'm going to check this tomorrow. I'm <laughs> going to check on your church tomorrow. This is what a good church looks like. I'll tell you, first of all, what it doesn't look like. Because we've got to hurry here. If everybody looks alike, they're all dressed alike, they all speak alike, they all talk alike, they all have little <laughs> walrus mustaches, and they go, hallelujah, then that is not a good church. Stay away. Stay away from that church, whatever it is. <laughs> it's not a good church. 
And then the other one is like, hey, whatever, yeah, I, let's try everything. That's also not a good shirt. So what does a good shirt look like? It's when everybody looks different from everybody else. That's the first thing. I have met all kinds of amazing men and women of God. Here's the amazing thing. The more closer to God they are, the less they look like each other. They really don't look. Lauren Cunningham, he was st one started Lauren. John Dawson, Joy's son, now was president. Okay? John and Lauren are two totally different things. I told you I had made the mistake of having breakfast with Lauren and uh, his wife, who was in Kona, sitting down. This is my mistake. I said, Lauren, what, where did you just come from? Do you know what a mistake that is? 45 minutes later, I understood why he was there and it went into a hundred years of Nazism and Marxism and all in the one place that he was speaking at, all went back to that. So I just sat there going, yeah, that's pretty amazing, really. It's like talking to the dictionary of world missions. Okay, so here's what I found. When when all of these different people don't look anything like, do they? Stand up. No, yeah, this is man. This is my man. Yeah, you can stand up. Yeah, you don't look anything like Mario Morales. No, you don't. You really don't. <laughs> he he did all kinds of ministry with with Mario. He doesn't look like me. He doesn't look like Lauren. He doesn't look like anyone. He looks like Mike. Because he is Mike, see? Unique, marvelous, incredible. You want to hear him preach? You want to minister? You don't look like him. You, you don't look like him. You dress different. You, what is wrong with you? Shouldn't you look like that? Shouldn't you look, see like that? We're crazy. But they all look like Jesus. Now I'm going to give you a Spock thing. When an infinite person expresses himself finitely, it always comes out different. And that's what revival looks like. So I hope we said that. You're all involved in some way or something. <laughs> Lunch is calling. With the large words. Lunch. So we're going to pray and then we're going to, if you have burning questions, then let's just link hands if you can. If not, do a triple link. There's all these different links that are possible. Back links, side links. <laughs> Sunday morning, I'm going to give you nine marvelous things that have changed your life on hugging. <laughs> Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus, your son. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that's come to teach us and direct us. And we thank you most of all for the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. So we pray for the ministries that are represented here, the different callings that are represented here, that we will not be people of whom you're ashamed to be called their God. We want to represent you well. And to the Jews and to the Greeks and to the pagans and to the Pharisees and the scary people and the left out of things people, we simply want to be made available by you to love them and care for them regardless of whatever their lives have been like. In Jesus' name, we give ourselves afresh to you and to your purposes.
Yes, we've got it. I'm give. I'm gonna. Yes, it will. Any? So only one person handing in. What is it? One question. Two questions. We might even have three. Oh, these are the answers. Oh, the Obama one. See, somebody's going to come to lunch here if they get it. It's not going to be me. That's really good. That's that's tr <laughs> that's a profound one. That one. That is really. Uh, profound.